0: I have a couple of quick announcements before we, we get into um, the word, and, um, and if you guys don't know me, my name is Matt, my wife Amber and I are the pastors here, and um, I know you're like, why are you wearing a hat, and because it's, it's a youth group preaching, and I felt like I was trying to dress younger, and I know, I was like clearly insecure in my own age. Um, really, um, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, so anyhow, a couple of quick things. Number one, if you're new here, I'd love to get to know you, whether you're here in person or tuning in online. Um, and and that first step is just you can text into our office and just say um, that that you're a guest here, and we'd love to get you connected. And um, and it's a quick texting it should come up on the screen in a couple minutes here and then um and then also if you want to uh, give also financially uh tithes and offerings those can be received online um or they can also go through their text platform as well and uh, somebody asked how this works so i'll tell you that you put the phone number in is you're texting it to the church office that's our church phone number if you actually called that um not right now but during the week somebody answers and so um but you call you know, but if you text it it'll actually text you back to the link so it's a like keyword thing so if you text the word give to our office number it just texts you back a link and so, um, so you You can do that with guess and give and other things that we kind of make it easy all this information is also on our website you can find all the links for everything that we do around there but if you're like text driven like i am i'd rather just text and have it done on my phone so you can do that as well um let me let's sort of pray over tithes and offerings heavenly father we thank you for the opportunity um to be partnered with you um god we thank you for the opportunity to give back to you um the tithes and offerings and and uh, um god everything i just pray that all the dollars and cents that come in here god that they would um make a tremendous impact everywhere they go in jesus name amen Amen. And so I got a couple quick announcements. Um, The first one is this, is baptism. Uh, We are having a baptism service next Sunday. So, yeah, I know, right? So if you have given your life to Jesus, but you have not been baptized yet, that's what this is. And so we, we, um, the Bible talks about being baptized. And it is a public declaration of a decision you've already made. So if you are a believer and you have not been baptized by water, we would love the opportunity to celebrate with you in that. Um, And if you're not a believer, you can also make that decision. We can get you baptized next week as well. So um, it is... um, a wonderful, wonderful thing, uh, the Connect class. And So if you want to get connected around here, you're like, you know what? I've been hanging around, and I'm like, today's my day. I want to get, I'm saying, this is my church home. I'm going to get plugged in. We have this class kind of tells you who's what, where, when, how, how everything works, and how you can actually get connected all the way in, um, because we'd love to have you connected here at the church. The class that I have, um, I'm really excited about. Um, this is something that we've done um, actually kind of behind the scenes for a few years now. And so what We took kind of our our core leaders, and and we actually would go on a little mini retreat, and then um, last year, because of COVID, we couldn't do this, and so we thought, you know, we'll just do it in-house, and then it actually makes it where we can invite more people and just do it in the building. And so last year we did it, and we called it our Leadership Summit. And um, and it's kind of like an invite-only thing is what we did last year. Uh, but this year, um, we are trying to grow this. And here's why is because everything rises and falls on leadership. And and I know that um, people in our church, you guys are either currently leaders in the church, or maybe you're leaders outside of the church. But we want to take this opportunity to pour into you as, as people, as leaders, no matter where you're at in life. And if you're like, I want to get into leadership, I want to be a better leader, I want to start that journey you're welcome to come as well Um, and so we actually have um, my um, my brother is coming in to help lead this and uh, if you know my brother his name is Drew Williams (coughs) if you don't know my brother um, he is actually the director of leadership development for a fortune 100 company so what he does for a living is leadership development, um, and I can't say the company name because, I don't know, there's rules around it. Um, and so, anyhow, he, it is a cell phone provider, and so they they do, so he runs a huge, huge company, and he's director of leadership development. So he's coming in, he'll be helping pour into us as well, um, and uh, and I'm telling you, it's going to be a great time. So the only thing I ask is that if, if you're going to come and save the date, we've got dates there, we will have links, I think the website link is live, um, we'll have the tech system running in the next few weeks, just sign up, it's free to you um, and uh, it's, it's something that um, just as church leadership you want to be able to develop leaders and so um, so anyhow it's free to you I'll, I'll be honest you guys already paid right? Like you give tithes and offerings, this is one way that the church is doing things, right? So um, anyhow, you're welcome to come sign up. Just sign up so we have enough seats and we have enough materials and that we have enough food because there's going to be food at the end at lunch. We're going to provide lunch as well. So be sure to sign up. That way we have enough people, enough uh, materials and stuff to go around. But mark your calendars. You don't want to miss it. Um, It's something that we've been doing, and I'm excited to grow it. But right now, I actually want to invite John Fogg. Come on up on stage. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, so, hello, hello. I, I know I told you, I, I, he said I'm going to wear my Crocs, and I said, I'll, wear, I'll go buy some Crocs, and, and I'll wear them in solidarity with you, but yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't find them.
1: That's
0: right. So I did we, socks we got, and sandals. there. Yeah, I socks like and sandals, and those are palm trees. Somebody was questioning what kind no of way. plant. Yeah, they were questioning what kind of plant was on the shoe. You can't tell um, it all. What's that? You can't tell it all, yeah. You can't tell the palm trees? No, no, no. no. Yeah, somebody just thought they might be something else, um, but it's palm trees. I promise Anyways. you, it's palm trees. Yeah, this is like my pool sandals. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, anyhow, I'm going to get really sidetracked really fast if I keep down this path. Right. Yeah. All right, so, <laughs> so John, I know that with our student ministry this summer, we're planning to take a bunch of students to a summer camp, and um, yeah. And it's been a few years, uh, COVID and everything else that's happened, um, so this is something that we haven't done in a while as a church, but, but tell me, what, what are you, um, tell me about it, what are you hoping to, to see, and uh, what are you hoping to see that come out of this?
1: Uh, first off, I'm, I'm hoping that some of our students don't come home with broken bones. I think that's a, <laughs> a good goal for my first summer camp. We have a
0: release form, right? Yeah, 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 yeah okay. we do.
1: So I'm not responsible for that. Um, but anyways, I, I really feel like there's something special in getting the students out of their routine and getting them out of their day-to-day lives and, and really putting the focus all on Jesus, getting them out of their habits and their, and their phones and away from technology and, and just focusing all on Jesus and, and just bringing that worship. And so I think there's, there's something really special about going away from what you're used to and, and seeking the Lord. I, I know that you did that for a long time. What was, what was some highlights and, and what do you enjoy about summer camp? Yeah, so um, the lack of sleep is
2: pretty
0: astounding yeah I love that yeah very impactful Uh, no actually you know what so I was many of you guys know I was a youth pastor for a long time and uh, many years and we took students to summer camp and here's what I loved about it it was a ton of fun there were so many amazing activities and it was um uh, there was all kinds of games and and what was kind of cool is is you get like you said you get students out of their environment and and everything kind of turned I don't know about you but specifically for students, I know that it can become a little bit of like a groundhog day where every day feels the same, right. except for Wednesday, because crazy stuff happens on Wednesdays. And, um, right? yeah. And so like we, we had a conversation earlier. So crazy stuff happens on Wednesdays. But other than that, every day is kind of the same. Um, and, and so when you break that cycle, it kind of causes you to kind of open your eyes and look around a little bit right. and kind of see something new. Yeah. Um, and then what also is kind of cool with it is you get to be part of something way bigger um, than what you're normally part of. Yeah. And, and, and so they get to see that there are students from all around the region who are um, following God and that they have strong faith and that they're not alone in this. Right. Because sometimes I think in a church, you can be like, well, it's just the 20 or 30 of us, but there's literally hundreds of thousands of students across the United States that are gathering in these summer camps that are, they're having a ton of fun. and they're, they're, they're encouraging each other in their faith. And, and, and it's just, it's just a blast. And right. so just a wonderful experience. Uh, And so here's why we're talking a little bit about this, is that I I actually, we just finished up a series on... um on financial stewardship, um, and so, um, uh, well, let's give you an opportunity to be financial s- stewards. Um, we actually want to invest in our students. We want to invest in the next generation, and so I want you guys to pray about it. And so it actually costs about $400 um, per student to get them to summer camp. We have about 10 people that are going right now at this point in time, and so uh, what we want to do is, is um, if you think, you know what, I'd like to help financially support that, that means $4,000 to $5,000 is how much we have to totally raise for it to completely be paid for, um, and the students are paying some money. Don't worry, we are charging them a little bit, but we want to be able to raise a few thousand dollars to help offset the cost, so that they don't have to come up with four hundred dollars. Or if you're a parent and you have two or three kids, you know that can add up real quick. And so we want to do something like that. And so um, if you want to give online, you can do that. And if you click the other box, there's a. a a way to select what you're doing. Other box, or if you have cash or check, you can write on it and put it in the boxes in the building, or you can just hand it right to John. Make it all at City Church, and then we'll categorize it into our student ministry to help. And so, um, I just want you guys to pray about it. No pressure. If that's your thing, it's your thing. Um, I just know as a church, we want to invest in the next generation because it really, really matters. Yeah, yeah. And so, anyhow, um, I just want to take a minute talk about summer camp, let everybody know what we're doing, and um, and give you guys an opportunity to invest in the next generation
1: yeah all right so good.
0: without further ado um, i think i know because i've i've seen what you been working on he has a phenomenal message so come on yeah wait a way to overshoot that's right. you
1: know i hope i don't disappoint at this point right he set the standards pretty high but but i'm so excited to be with you this morning I, i'm so thankful for pastor matt namer for allowing me up here it's not every day you see a 21 year old with crocs on stage and so I, I'm grateful for the opportunity because I know it's, it's truly a privilege to be up here. And I, I'm privileged to be a part of the team of, of Miss Julie and Jeff Lance and Daniel Newman. And I also have a team that helps me every Wednesday and I couldn't do it without them. I have, you know, Miss Monica who's on worship and, and Jacob who's hiding right there. And then I have Miss Cinnamon as well. And, and they just, they help me so much. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without them. Um, but before we get started, I just want to pray over the message real quick. So Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. God, I ask that I would be saying what you're saying and do Doing what you're doing Lord, I pray for clarity of thought and clarity of speech. And would you just open our hearts, Lord, to what you have to say? in Jesus name. Amen. 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 And we also have more youth group updates. Over Christmas break, we actually partnered with New Life City's youth group, and, and we did kind of an outreach, and so we, we had them make over a 100 lunches and, and give them to the homeless community down the street. And if we could put up that picture. Yeah, there's there's all the students and their funny faces, and, and so we, we we had a great opportunity uh, to do that, and it really blessed the students and blessed that community, and we even got uh, chased off by a possessed lady, so it was great. I wouldn't have it any other way. If, if the kingdom of darkness is, is intimidated by some teenagers, I think we're on the right track, and, and so I'm super excited for that, but... You know, in those moments, I know in that moment, there, there, was, there was a little bit of panic, right? I was like, oh, snap, this lady is threatening the students with a pipe. Um, this isn't exactly a good situation. And so, you know that, like, rush of adrenaline you get when there's, like, panic involved? Like, for example, when you, like, pat your pocket and your phone's not there? <laughs> you know that, like, rush of adrenaline that you get? Or does anyone do like the pat pat? Make sure they have everything like before they. Leave? Yeah, the pa- you know what I'm talking about. The pat pat. But maybe it's not something as simple as not having your phone and the panic you feel when you don't have your phone. Maybe, maybe it's the panic you feel when the your finances aren't in order or there's family drama or there's other drama that that causes that that stress and, and that anxiety in our lives. I remember one day I I, I was washing dish, dishes at the restaurant I was working at and. It, it was a rough day, and I had things piling up from my life, and it was overwhelming at work, and, and so I, w- I was washing dishes, and and, like, I just start crying, like, washing dishes at work, and, like, I'm hoping that nobody sees me because I'm, like, super embarrassed, and I'm, like, what kind of a person, like, cries during, you know, washing dishes, so I'm, like... So now I'm panicked about crying at work because I'm panicked about other stuff, and and it's just like compounding. So I'm just like crying and and trying not to trying not to freak out, you know, in the middle of my shift. And so thankfully the shift ends and and you know I get off and nobody noticed. And I get home and 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 in the car I just start bawling. Like I just start like I'm freaking out. I'm just like I don't know what I'm doing. What is happening? Why is this happening now? What is going to, I'm just why and how and what am I going to do with my life and, and all these things. And, and finally I get home and, and thankfully my mom was there to comfort me and, and calm me down a little bit. But, but it's those moments, right, where we, where we have intense anxiety and intense stress. I know especially with COVID where we, where we really understand the value and the, and the importance of peace in our lives. And through the pandemic, the American Psychological Associated, say, Association, has been following the statistics. And and they said before the pandemic, 2019, 8% or 26 million United States adults reported symptoms of anxiety. Towards the end of 2020, 33% or over 100 million United States adults reported symptoms of anxiety. And we see the same sort of trend with depression. 7% or over 20 million United States adults reported symptoms of depression in 2019. And 25% or over 80 million United States adults reported symptoms of depression towards the end of 2020. And in the church, right, we, we hear these verses of worry about nothing but, but pray about everything and, and by all your requests and, and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. And, and we know these verses, right, but we, we still see these statistics. And so I, I think there's been a disconnect between what happens in church and the peace we talk about in our, in our day-to-day lives. And, and I'm hoping to, to connect it this morning. And, and the first time... That the Lord is called, the Lord is our peace, or Jehovah Shalom is, is in Judges. And and if you know Judges, it's not the most family-friendly book. <laughs> 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 but it's like a hamster wheel of the Israelites just making mistake after mistake after mistake of of God delivering them and them them turning from God and rebelling and oppression. And and it's just if you ever want to know what not to do, just look at what the Israelites did. And just do the opposite, because that's, that's what usually happens. And so in Judges chapter 6, verse 1, we, we meet um, the Israelites when they're being oppressed. And so the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, because Midian the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. So so Israel is in a rough spot. Any Anything they're producing, any livestock or, or any crops they're producing are immediately getting stolen by by the Midianites. And so they're being crushed and oppressed and And Israel cries out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, and the Lord sends a prophet to the people of Israel. And the prophet said to them, Thus say the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And that's all he says. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that's not the most comforting thing that a prophet could say. <laughs> it doesn't exactly quell my worries or my doubts. or It doesn't put me at peace exactly. But, but in verse 11, we, we see a shift. And we, and we go from the big picture into a small picture of, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tree at, at Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And I think some of the problem with believers today is we read the we read scripture with like Christian goggles of like oh you know I was just threshing wheat in a wine press that's just a normal daily activity I I like to spend my Saturdays threshing wheat in a wine press but but the biblical author specifically put in this detail to stand out to us it's supposed to poke out at us if you know anything about lives I didn't grow up on a farm so I had to research this but threshing wheat is is the project of of separating the seed from the from the husk and and getting the wheat from the chaff and And usually they would do it in an open area where like the wind could take the chaff away and they could, you know, have all the wheat with them. But if we look at a wine press here, if we can get that picture. Yeah. That doesn't exactly look like the place where, you know, wind can get out or like the most efficient way to to thresh wheat. I've never done it, but that just doesn't look like the way I would do it. But... It's, it's to show the example and the severity that the Israelites have to hide what they're doing. And they're, and they're so afraid about, from the Midianites that they're, that they're forced to thresh wheat in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And no doubt the Israelites are in a difficult situation, but the conclusion that Gideon comes to about the Lord is is that the Lord has abandoned us. And I think sometimes we have this, This view of God that he's a genie in a bottle, and he's supposed to solve all of my problems. And if he doesn't solve all of my problems, that obviously means that he's abandoned us. And that's the same conclusion that Gideon comes up to. But but maybe it's God is taking Gideon, and maybe he's taking us on a journey of growing up. God never says he'll solve all of our problems. He promises to be with us. And difficult situations in our life doesn't mean that God has abandoned us or forgotten about us. Maybe God wants to develop us into mature followers of Jesus. When we said yes to Jesus, we never asked for this life to be easy. We asked to be followers of Jesus. And there's a difference there. And our circumstances that we face can either be a jail that imprisons us or schools that teach us. And it's our perspective that shifts that. And so Gideon's on this journey of growing up with God. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. See, Gideon's question is, How is this going to happen? God, give me a plan. How is this going to work out? I I don't understand. I'm the weakest in my clan. I don't think you quite understand what my situation is right now. But I think God is more concerned about who he is than how things will get done. And our questions shouldn't be how will this happen and getting a five-step plan and getting every step drawn out. But instead, our questions should be who is with us and who is for us and who's working on our behalf. And he said to him, I, if I have now, Gideon, If I have now found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. Gideon's asking for a magic trick. (laughs) And so Gideon goes in and he prepares this meal of a goat and an eff of flour, which is like 36 pounds of flour. So it's like a huge amount of flour. And he gets a cake and he puts the juice of the goat in a pod and he brings it all out and and the angel tells Gideon all right you're gonna put the bread on a stone and and then you're gonna put the goat on top and then you're gonna pour the juice all over so so now we have soggy bread on a rock and somehow this is gonna free the Israelites from oppression of the Midianites it doesn't make it doesn't exactly add up and so the angel of the Lord puts out his staff and and fire engulfs the sacrifice and it's this cool scene that we see, and, and I think what the Lord understands is that faithfulness on our part is a response of trust. And so in new circumstances, we have to upgrade our trust and our peace in the Lord to do what he has for us. I think it's easy for us to look at Gideon and to say, oh, I, you know, God tells me this once and I would go out and do it. But, but I think the Lord really understands Gideon's heart, and he understands the trust that's required in relationship. And so after this scene, Gideon builds an altar there to the Lord and calls it the Lord is our peace or Jehovah Shalom. And and to this day it still stands at at Afra which belongs to the Bezerites. And it's interesting because at the beginning of the chapter we see the Israelites are are running for the hills and running for the caves but, but Gideon has the nerve to call the Lord Jehovah Shalom. Maybe because our peace was never about the circumstances that we face. So many times the we describe peace as a lack of something. But biblical peace is all about something greater in its place. And, and what if our circumstances are not problems for us to solve, but, but invitations into the Father's heart to trust Him more? I know if if there's a problem for me to solve my my problem solving brain immediately jumps to it and tries to figure out all the situations and what I can do and and work it out but but oftentimes with the Lord it doesn't exactly work that way i have to give up control and and to trust him and and to believe he is who he says he is and so Gideon, he starts breaking down the idols that Israel has and he starts building up an army so that the Israelites can drive out the Midianites and he, he, he's building this army, he recruits from all the other tribes and he gets 32,000 men together. And, and the Lord starts testing Gideon. He, he starts testing his peace and the Lord goes to Gideon and, and he's like, you know, Gideon, 32,000 men, that's, that's too many. I don't know. You guys would take credit, that's, that's too many. And so go to the army and say, if anyone's scared or has any doubts, you can go home. So it goes from 32,000 to 10,000. I, I haven't read any military strategy books or researched it, but I imagine that going from 32,000 soldiers to 10,000 isn't exactly a military advantage. Just, you know, crazy putting, you know, just a thought. And, and then it goes from 10,000 to 300 as, as the Lord continues to test Gideon. And if I were Gideon, I would have a thumb in my mouth and in the fetal position, shaking and crying, like, what is happening? (laughs) But it's more about who is with us than how things will get done. And the Lord is getting Gideon to trust him. First, Gideon was saying, God, if it's really you, I need this. And God's saying, if you really trust me, this is what's going to happen. If we want a God result in our lives, we need to be open to a God process. Of what he's doing, and it's gonna be uncomfortable and it's not gonna make any sense, but but it's more about who's with us than than how things will get done. Are we able to trust the Lord more that he will be with us than how it works in our lives? And in the moments where we feel that things are falling apart, we, we recognize that our peace was never based on circumstances or a lack of conflict or a lack of troubles, but rather as the presence of someone, the Prince of Peace. And as you keep reading in the story, you, you'll see that, that Gideon, he leads these 300 men, and he defeats the Midianites with a torch, a pitcher, and a horn. I was asking the students, I was like, you know, imagine you're going into battle. What are you taking with you? They're like, you know, I'm going to take a missile launcher or a flamethrower or a galley." I was like, they didn't have those. Um, <laughs> like, what are you going to take into battle and they, they gave me all these answers, and I was like, so Gideon goes into battle with a torch, a pitcher and a horn. That doesn't exactly spell victory. <laughs> but the Lord delivers the Midianites into the Israelites' hand, and they start destroying themselves and running from that. I want, I want that kind of peace where, where when the enemy views what I have, they start fighting amongst themselves. That's the kind of peace I want. And the prophet Isaiah, he points ahead to a prince of peace and, and, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. But if you know between the Old and the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence where the Lord stops speaking to the Israelites. And and in those 400 years, no one could agree on a whole lot. And, and we see Israel splitting up into factions of, of Pharisees and Sadducees and, and Nassims and Zealots and more, and, and they were all obsessing over, over little details and casting judgment onto other groups. They were all completely certain that their way of following God was the only way. And anyone that differed in the slightest opinion was irredeemable and not to be associated with, an outcast perhaps even a pagan enemy. No one was willing to come to the table and listen to another person's point of view, and choose love and connection over fear and indifference. Does it sound familiar? It seems like everywhere that we look today that there is no peace, that everyone's completely certain that their way of living is the only way. No matter the destruction that that might cause, we're all hunkered down in, in silos of discord and. And division, and and no one's worried about anything but themselves. And It's hard to imagine Jehovah Shalom and the Prince of Peace in silence and in division. Did he really care? Has he abandoned the Israelites? And during that time that we see Israelites being oppressed by by different people groups and finally we see Rome and and it made Israel feel small and vulnerable and, and kicked out of the house and told to sleep in the barn. Little did we know that the Lord who is our peace was preparing a savior who would arrive in that exact same way. Small, vulnerable, hidden away in a lonely stable in a small town in a feeding trough. I think in the middle of the mess, God does his best work. Sometimes we just have to allow him in. And my first point talking about this is, is talking about Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. And and oftentimes in English we describe peace as as the absence of something, like peace and quiet, like the absence of noise, or there's times of peace or or peace treaties where there's an absence of, of conflict or 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 battles. And but biblical peace points to something better in its place, in the lack. The basic meaning of shalom is, is being complete or whole. It refers to something that is complex with a lot of moving parts and pieces in a state of completeness or wholeness. See, what the biblical authors understand and what the Lord understands is that life is complex. It's, it's full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And, and when one of those parts is missing or out of alignment, our peace breaks down. And life is no longer whole and it needs to be restored. To use shalom as a verb means to to make complete or to restore. You take what's missing and you restore it back to wholeness. Proverbs talks about bringing shalom to a broken relationship and the joy that brings. When rival kingdoms would make shalom in the Bible, they wouldn't just stop fighting, but they would actively work together for each other's benefit. Can you imagine Jehovah Shalom in Gideon's time? The Lord is my peace, the Lord that brings wholeness, when the Israelites are running from the hills and they're freaking out and everything's falling apart, Gideon has the nerve to call the Lord Jehovah Shalom. It's a word, Shalom is a word that the Hebrew speaking people both now and then used as greetings and goodbyes, reminding us of the Alpha and the Omega. And it's a peace that doesn't just stay with the Lord, but he actually gives us his peace. That's my second point, is, is his peace is ours, And if the band would, would come up. If. And, and Jesus, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He specifically says that the peace that the world gives isn't going to cut it. So if we're looking for peace in the way that the world operates, we're going to be left disappointed. And he demonstrates this peace in his life. When the disciples are, are in the boat and they're crossing, and a great storm comes, and Everything's falling apart and the disciples are freaking out and they're saying, Jesus, don't you see what's going on? Don't you care? We're all going to die. And I think sometimes in our lives we can, say this, we can say the same thing. God, don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see the troubles that I have? Don't you see the financial worries? And, and don't you see the drama that I have and the brokenness in my life? Don't you care about what's happening to me? But Jesus, he, he gets up out of the boat and, and he, he speaks to the storm and he says, peace, be still. When Jesus releases a little bit of that peace that he has inside of him, the storms around him quiet down. See, Jesus doesn't just want to give us peace. He wants to show us how to steward his peace and develop his peace and develop a lifestyle of peace in him. And, and that peace comes as we encounter the, the Prince of Peace. And it comes as, as we go to the Lord and, and we lay down our worries and our anxieties and our fears and, and, and we start to participate in a divine exchange where, where I start to give the Lord my ashes and he gives me beauty in return. Where I give him my mourning and, and he starts to give me his joy. When I give him my heaviness and he gives me praise sometimes we have to trade our our control and our anxiety for the lord's peace to get a better grip of our lives we have to let go of some things maybe it's some mindsets or some habits or some patterns but we have to let go and embrace his peace i I know that when i encounter the lord i'm the one that leaves changed he never changes but i get to and my circumstances are now opportunities for me to embrace his peace. I remember when, when I was struggling to, to bring peace to a relationship of a loved one, I was, I was talking to my counselor and, and we were talking about the love of God. And, and I was like, you know, God's love, he, he leaves the 99 to chase after the one and his love doesn't make any sense. And, and my counselor challenged me and she said, what if, what if God wants to use you to chase after the one what if God wants to use you to bring peace into relationships I think so many times we can have an opinion of God of, of he's just going to solve all of my problems but, but what if the Lord wants to use you to bring peace to relationships of a loved one Jesus said blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God the next generation is looking for something authentic. They want something that's real. And if Jesus is just someone we visit on a Sunday morning, I think we're missing it. But but if there's a chance that Jesus can bring peace to relationships, if there's a chance that Jesus can bring wholeness into families and into marriages and into mental health, if there's a chance that Jesus turns the hearts of fathers back to sons, and the hearts of sons back to fathers, what are we waiting for? He wants to bring peace to relationships. It reminds me of a story. Um, during the, the diamond fever in Africa, there was a, a young farmer named Lamar, and, and Lamar owned a farm, and he heard about diamonds, and, and people were getting rich overnight. And so he sold everything he had. He, he sold his farm, he took the essentials, and he started looking for the diamonds, and and just going and going and going and going and and later we, we find out that Lamar in his search passed away in the wilderness. And, and another farmer, he, he took up the land that Lamar had owned. And and when he was he was stewarding the land and, and working it, he finds a stone in the river and, and he takes it, he doesn't quite know what it is, and he, he puts it above his fireplace and and as he's having visitors over, his visitor looks at the diamond, looks at the stone. I just spoiled it. <laughs> looks at the stone and says, this is a diamond. This is the biggest one I've probably ever seen. It turns out that the, that the farm that Lamar had was covered with magnificent diamonds. And it turned out to be one of the richest and most abundant diamond mines in Africa. How sad that Lamar had not taken the time to investigate what he had at his own fingertips. Instead, he gave up everything he had in search of wealth that it was right under his nose. Are we searching for peace on the other side where the grass is always greener? Or are, we, or are we looking at our lives and investigating where the Lord actively wants to bring peace in our lives? Whether he wants to bring peace to finances or to relationships or, or broken families, are we looking for where he wants to move and maybe I'm talking about this and, and you haven't met the the prince of peace the Jesus who our savior who is prince of peace we'll have prayer teams on either side and they would love to pray with you and agree with you and 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 direct you in that and, or maybe you're struggling with anxiety and, and you just need to experience some peace maybe you don't even have the the faith to pray I assure you that our prayer teams have, have more than enough faith for you, for, for the both of you. And our prayer team who, who meets before this service and, and who's praying for you, before you even arrive, they, they really felt like the Lord wanted to bless someone and to bring peace to someone dealing with grief and depression. or And also someone who just needs to feel embraced by the Lord. Maybe they felt estranged said there's a person struggling in, in combat that they're fighting this fight and they're getting tired and discouraged and and they want to bring peace to that relationship the church if you want to stand i'll pray and, and we'll get into some worship but the lord's peace isn't like anything that the world offers it's it's he's not in the chaos he's in the gentle whispers I don't know about you, when a person's whispering, my first tendency is to lean in and hear what he has to say. So maybe we need to lean in and listen to where the Lord wants to bring peace to our lives. Whether that be relationships, family members, marriages. Can we lean in and listen to what the Lord has to say? Father, we we thank you for today. God, we, we thank you for your peace that that makes us whole, that brings wholeness to our lives. God, I ask that you would continue to to speak to us and and reveal yourself to us throughout this week on where you want to bring peace to us. Father, we bless the people here and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to take the time and and get some prayer, the worship team is just going to be playing and invite you to sing one last song today. Thank you, church.
3: Have a great week.